Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? Okay. We're going to be opening our Bibles today. We're going to be going to the book of Luke in just a moment. Uh, but before we get there, uh, uh, let me tell you the title of our message today is Unforgettable Prayer. Unforgettable Prayer. Uh, and let me tell you something else. I'm going to run a rabbit trail for just a moment. In the Western world, we are celebrating the Christmas season and and uh, in, the, in, in, in Israel and around the world, Jews are celebrating Hanukkah. It begins this Friday evening. And, you know, they're, they're, as, as I showed you earlier, there are parades and there are gatherings and there are, you know, a, a vacation schedule for the holidays, um, you know, and uh, banquets. And, you know, uh, uh, almost everywhere you look, there's some decoration for Christmas going on. It's the busyness of people going through life in this season of the year and uh, even though some people are experiencing wonderful joy-filled vacations and holidays yet still in this particular season some people are experiencing trauma and tragedy and trouble and and you know this season often reminds people of things they don't have instead of things they do have or of people who they wish were here who aren't and so it can be a difficult time on the one hand it can be a season uh, that that is uh, wonderful for some and yet taxing for others and um, this is the way it was for a certain man 2,000 years ago. You know, I'm certain, I'm sure that there were a lot of things in his life that he, that he you know, was proud of and happy for. And, and, and he was happy that other people were experiencing good things. But yet, there were some areas of his life that, that were a deficit. And no doubt brought sadness this particular man and his wife, they lived outside of the city of Jerusalem, perhaps five to seven miles outside the city of Jerusalem. And, uh, um, and um, before we read about this particular man, uh, let me show you a picture of the Old Testament tabernacle. Okay, uh, let's, let's, let's bring up this picture. Uh, can, you, can you see this? This is looking down you know, uh, uh, down from the, the top. If you were to look to your right, that's the east, okay? Uh, there are animals. That uh, area there that you're looking at with the animals in it, that, uh, that would be the outer court. That's a place where people could come. They, they would come into the gate, uh, to the door, to the gate, that's on your right as you're looking at this picture and to the right is the east okay the reason it's to the east is because uh, you know when God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden he sent them to the east 
And he put an angel with a flaming sword at the eastern entrance to the Garden of Eden. And so they left the presence of God going east, so they come back into the presence of God coming west. Okay, I love the way these things kind of fit together. God is just amazing like this. But, um, but coming into this outer court, you'll see that where that uh, it looks like a sheep that's laying here. Um, that is the brazen altar. It's the altar where sacrifices were made for sin. Okay, uh, and so then the next uh, thing you see in the middle of that courtyard is called um, um, a laver. We'll look at it again in just a moment. But uh, and and then you enter into that little building. That building had a roof on it. It was covered, and. The first, as you entered in from the right, headed to the left, you would enter in to the holy place. The outer court, the holy place, and then finally into that little small room on your left would be the, the holy of holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Uh, bring up the next picture. Let me, let me uh, uh, show you a little more, okay? So you enter into the gate, okay? And... If you know the scripture, Psalms 100 says, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. You're about to enter into the, to, to, to the gate there. And the way you come before God, the Bible talks about it, you know, all throughout the word of God. Uh, we come into his gates with thanksgiving. Hey! We enter into his courts with praise. We are praising the Lord. Every time we go into the next gate, every time we go through the next door, we do it with thanksgiving. We do it with praise. Okay? Now, all the world is outside of the presence of God. And they are invited into the gate. There's an invitation. Okay? Come on in. Come on in. Okay? And this is what the children of Israel would do. This was their experience. This, this you know, every child of God can enter in to the tabernacle, to the temple, to bring their sacrifice on the brazen altar. And then that brazen altar represents for us salvation because God was always pointing at Jesus, going to be sacrificed for our sin. Once Jesus was sacrificed, once his blood was accepted, it was not like the blood of bulls and goats. It was the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. God had always intended this to be a picture of, of entering in uh, and, 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 and us receiving salvation once for all sin forever. Jesus was, was, was crucified, sacrificed. The brazen altar is our salvation. The laver, it contains water. Why? Because after you did your sacrifice, the next step is water baptism. For all through the years, for the 1,500 years before Christ, this tabernacle experience was an experience of sacrifice, an experience of salvation, an experience of being released from your sin, and then an experience of washing yourself. You wash your hands, you wash your feet. That symbolizes washing your whole body. You're washing yourself and you're cleansing yourself. It's made actually out of mirrors so that you can see reflection. What is this a picture of? It's, it, it's a picture of seeing ourselves like God sees us. It's a picture of salvation, 
Water baptism. Because we have repented. You know? By the way, salvation is before water baptism. You didn't get clean so that you could sacrifice. You got clean because there was a sacrifice. <laughs> okay? So it's not water baptism that saves you in that sense. You are washed with water as a symbol of your sins having been paid for. Now it's a symbol of being washed away, being cleansed. I love that. Okay. Well, that's where the average person, the normal person, had to stop. All that was available to the children of Israel was an outer court experience. That's all that they could experience was salvation and water baptism. That was it. Only the Levites, only the ministers, only those called by God to carry His Word and, 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 and to, to carry His presence, to carry His glory, to carry His power, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. Only those designated by God to carry the presence, the power, and the glory of God were welcomed into the next place, into the holy place. And when you went into the door of the holy place, and by the way, we are all ministers now, okay? We are all kings. We are all priests. We are, we are all accepted in the beloved. Salvation of Jesus Christ made an entrance for us. So now we all, every one of us, there's a deposit of God on the inside of us. We all, when you get born again, you get saved, you are a child of God, and you are carrying around the presence, the power, and the glory of God. So carrying the presence, the power, and the glory of God welcomes you into a deeper experience with God. And being welcomed in to this particular door into the holy place, the first thing you go to is that lampstand, the menorah. It's the candlestick, okay? It's got seven, there, is that seven? It's got seven um, 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 candlesticks on it with seven flames. You might recognize from Revelation, all this is all connected, you know, those are the seven churches, you know, and those flames, those stars, they, 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 they are the angels of the seven churches. Well, in this particular application, the minister who entered in to the holy place would have a candlestick experience. That represents the oil and the fire. It's the Holy Spirit. God laid this out in a, in a desert, in a world that was lost and empty and void and without life. He laid out this plan of salvation and water baptism and then a, 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 an enlightenment by the Holy Spirit to be enlightened and, and, and to be illuminated, to have something in your life that is, that is powerful, to have an experience of, of light and power and, uh, wow, the oil of God, the refreshing of God in your life. And then, to leave the candlestick, the minister who entered in would then go straight across to that table of showbread. That table of showbread 
The bread represents, of course, Jesus. I am the bread that came down out of heaven, he said. I am the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Okay? It is, it is a representation of Jesus, the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. This is the Word of God. So here's the process so far. You get saved. You get water baptized. You, you get, and, and, and by the way, this was never meant to be a legal thing. It's a representation that God is giving revelation and he's telling people to come the way of the cross, come by the way of the cross. And when, when, when anyone looked down upon the tabernacle in the wilderness, looked down upon the children of Israel, what they saw was a cross. You can see there is a cross there. That's the way everything was set up, ordained by God. It was always coming the way of the cross. Thy ways, O Lord, are in the tabernacle. Lord, it's the cross. Salvation, water, baptism, the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. And then it takes the light of the Holy Spirit. It takes a spiritual experience to understand the Word of God. Then you go to the Word of God with light that brings revelation. Uh, I don't want to get too deep, I'm, 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 but, uh, and I don't want to get boring, but I want you to know that, that, that a lot of people read the Bible and don't understand it at all. Why? Because the natural man cannot receive, neither can he know the things of the Spirit, because they are spiritually discerned. Without the enlightenment of God, without the inspiration of God, without the confirmation of God, without the light of the Holy Spirit, then we can read the Word of God and go, duh. Do you know your enemies probably know the Word of God as well as anybody? Do you know how well atheists know the Bible? They can argue with you all day long. Satan quoted the Bible to Jesus. It's not just reading the Bible. It's actually having a relationship with God. It's the salvation where we receive our forgiveness of sins and, 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 and we are repentant and, 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 and God comes to live in our lives and we go to His Word and it makes sense. All of a sudden what we didn't see before when we read it, we see now there's life there, there's light there and that light is the life and that life is the light and I'm, I'm enjoying relationship with the Word of God in a way that I never have. You can't just get it because you pick up the Bible and read it to try to find some argument why the Bible will prove it's not true. <laughs> and then, leaving the table of showbread, the next place the minister would go, the next place the Levite would go, the next place the servant of the Lord would go is to the altar of incense, which stood right in front of the next door, the door leading into the Holy of Holies, the door leading into the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this altar of incense is an altar of prayer. It's where a special incense would be burned on these coals 
and, and fire and smoke would go up. And this, this, this oil, this, this incense, this, it, it could not be used for anything else. I mean, it, 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 there was great penalty. It could only be used on this altar of incense. And, and, and minister would come in every day. Every day there was, there was someone designated to come into this place. They would, they would make sacrifice. They would wash themselves. They would come in and, and make sure there was oil and the fire and, 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 and the fire and, and the wicks were trimmed and make sure that, that they weren't living in the flesh, but they were living in the light of God. And they would go to the Word of God and they would hear the Word of God. Then they would go to the altar of incense. And at the altar of incense, they would burn incense and pray and intercede for Israel. And on the outside of the tabernacle, you could see the smoke going up. And so people who were outside would also be knowing somebody's inside praying for me. Now, no one was allowed in the Holy of Holies except for the high priest, which in our case is Jesus. But he was only allowed in there one time per year on the Day of Atonement to take blood and put it on the mercy seat which sits on top of the Ark of the Covenant and on that one day of the year which was in uh, September-ish this year do you know that they would put bells on the bottom of their garments that high priest would and they would put a rope around the high priest on that one day of the year when he would go and have sacrifice, make sure he's clean and make sure he's washed and, and make sure that he's living in the light and he's got the word and he's done his prayerful, uh, you know, oh God, you know, uh, in, in, interceded for himself in Israel. And then he would carry the blood into the Holy of Holies. The reason he had the rope on and the bells on is because if the bells stop clinging, people outside who were listening would go, okay, <laughs> he wasn't clean, he's dead. And they would use the rope to drag him out because you could not go in to get him. It would be a, another whole year before anybody could go into there and then only the high priest could go in. So they, would, they wanted a way to get the boy out in case he was really faking it. Okay? In case he wasn't really repentant. Maybe he wasn't really, you know, washing when he was, maybe just going through the motions. They would drag him out. Wow. Well, you get the picture, right? You know, and by the way, this veil, see the veil? This veil was the veil that was torn from the top to the bottom when Jesus died on the cross, signifying that the Holy of Holies has been opened now to more than just the high priest, but to whosoever will come into the presence and the power and partake of the glory of God. Wow. This is, this is, you know, this is interesting to me. Uh, so, let's, um, let me find, I'm, I'm, I've gone so far down my notes. Let me find Luke 1. Let's go back to Luke 1. Remember I told you we were going to Luke 1. We started this with a certain man who you know, while everything else was going on around him and people were having a good time and, uh, you know, it was, it was a great time of the year. But this one man, you know, 
Not everything was okay in his world, but he was still going through the motions. Luke, the first chapter, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. The priests were broken down into different courses, different divisions, and they had 12 groups of priests. And one group would go one month, and they would go back home and rest for another 11 months. And another group of priests would go the next month, and another the next month. So they would have people attending all of the necessities of the temple and taking care of the sanctuary and taking care of the sacrifices and taking care of the prayers and taking care of, uh, you know, trimming the wick and putting the oil in and, 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 and making the bread and, and, and putting new bread in, fresh bread, daily bread. All of these things had to be done. And so there were different divisions, different courses, different orders, different groups of priests. Well, this man named Zacharias was a priest, and he was of the order or of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God. They were walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. It means no one could accuse them of anything. And before God, they were right. But, whew, there's another one of those buts. There's a lot of buts in the Bible, have you noticed? But, even though they were righteous, even though they were blameless, even they were walking in the commandments, there was trouble in their lives. They had no child. This was an evident hardship for them. It was hurtful for them. It was something they longed for that they did not have. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. I imagine they were upwards of 40. Um, hello. <laughs> I don't know how old they were. I'm, I'm imagining their 60s. I don't really know, but there are some scholars that would disagree because, you know, around about 50 you would be retired. But, uh, but at any rate, the Bible says they were old, well advanced in years. So it was that while Zacharias was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, in the month that he was supposed to be serving, he was there in Jerusalem doing his work. He was serving according to the custom of the priesthood, and his lot, it became either his turn or else his duty. Maybe they drew straws, you know, shook rocks, rolled dice. You know, there is more evidence in the Word of God for rolling dice than there is for voting. Oh, never mind. By the way, if you happen to have had more than, let's say, two marriages... Please don't vote this year. Most likely you'll choose the wrong person. <laughs> oh, that was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, how do I get into these things, Lord? Help me, sir. <laughs> okay, so it, it fell his lot to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. It was his duty. It, it was his job to burn incense there at the altar of incense. And so uh, verse 10, look at this. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. There was a whole multitude of people outside praying. Verse 11. Uh, then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias. The angel was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. You know, glad tidings for who? He's an old man. He doesn't want any kids anymore. I've heard your prayer. Yeah, which prayer was that? That was one evidently you prayed a long time ago. Verse 24. And so it was that as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Now, if you'll read the whole account, you'll know that this, uh, is the, these are the parents of John the Baptist, you know, who would go forth in the spirit of Elijah and who would prepare the way of the Lord. The last word that the children of Israel had heard from God had been 400 years ago. Malachi had prophesied that, that, that God was going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. And now 400 years later, the next word they hear is the same word. God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children through John the Baptist. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's, it's something that God is excited about, that heaven is excited about, that Gabriel is excited about, but that, that uh, you know, uh, Zacharias is not that excited about. He had things going on in his own life. So, as I cut to the chase for fear of people pushing too far forward, okay, uh, let me give you two takeaways this morning. The first takeaway this morning from this particular scripture, and we could go on and on. You could, you could actually study this passage, you know, for days and not, you know, uh, uh, squeeze all of the revelation out of it. But... One of the things I think that hit me in this message was the multitudes that are standing outside praying. There were multitudes, the Bible says, outside praying who did not encounter an angel, who did not hear what he heard, who did not experience what he experienced. You see, 
There are multitudes today in difficult situations all over the world saying, God, help me. Do you know how many people are praying, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God, and they don't even know him? Do you know how many people are outside praying? They're praying, but they aren't seeing what you see. They aren't hearing what you hear. They aren't experiencing what you are experiencing. They're outside praying. The whole world is praying. All the world, when they get in trouble, they cry out, Oh, God! Oh, God! And yet they don't even know Him. There is a difference between being outside praying and being inside praying. And today, if you are outside, if you are outside of the family of God, if you are outside of the salvation of God offered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, on the altar that God had always intended if you are on the outside looking in you can come inside you can enter into the gate today you can partake of the sacrifice that Jesus made you can offer your life to him and let me tell you there are a lot of people today that are on the outside that have been inside they have experienced salvation perhaps they experienced water baptism maybe they even had a day in their life but they went back outside and they have somehow been disappointed do you know the greatest army that God has is not even in church today the greatest amount the biggest the greatest most 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 the, the, the greatest potential potential that God has they are somewhere else today and not found in church why because of disappointments because things grew cold because they stopped putting wood on the fire listen when you stop putting wood on the fire you know a, a relationship with Jesus Christ is like a relationship with anybody else it's more than just words on a paper you have to do something about it you have to actually do something to be successful in this Christian life. You're going to have to keep putting fire, put, putting wood on the fire. Keep on, because if you don't keep on, it'll grow old and cold so quick. It will be something of yesterday's experience. It won't begin to mean anything. It will start to atrophy. Your spirit will start to dry up. The light will start to go out. If you don't keep oil in the lamp, the light will go out. You'll burn the wick for a while, and it'll smoke the place up, and you won't even know what to do with it. You've got to keep yourself going. You've got to keep yourself going. Because multitudes today are on the outside praying. But there's a difference between being on the outside and on the inside. Don't be afraid. Come on in. Come on in. Come on back in. Come back in. You can experience today if you'll come to Him. All you who labor and are heavy laden, come to Christ. All you who are praying, come on in. Salvation, water, baptism. Where is it that you stopped with God? Bringing the Holy Spirit fresh. Allowing Him to supply the oil and the fire and the power and the light to your life. Depending on Him to reveal the Word of God. Where did you stop in your pursuit of the Word? Where did you stop in your lifting up your prayers to God? On the inside, praying to God. That's where Zacharias was standing he had gone through this this experience with God he had gone through as close as he could this Old Testament experience of salvation and and water baptism and cleansing and 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 and, and, a, and, and a touch from God the living vital experience of the light of Christ on the inside of him he had partaken of the good word and now he is praying he's interceding for Israel he is praying the will of God and the fire and the smoke going up to God and it's there that an angel said to him I'm going to fulfill your prayers I've heard your prayers from where from the altar of incense I've heard your cry. 
You see, 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Living on the outside, doing evil, praying to God is not going to fix it. Come on in. Come on in. Number two, the second takeaway as I close. God demands that we participate in our miracles. This was one of the takeaways for me, is reading this account. How this old man went back home and his wife conceived. You know, he participated in his miracle. There's a great picture of the demand of God. God demands that we participate in our miracle. You want a miracle from God? You're probably going to have to do something about it. You're probably going to have to sow a seed in order to reap a harvest. Most likely, you're going to have to get yourself ready for what God already has ready for you. It's called participation. You're not too old. You're not too far gone to be blessed by God. The prayers that you prayed, God has never forgotten. Unforgettable prayers are prayers that are paid, that they're prayed in the presence of God. God hasn't forgotten your prayer. I want to encourage you not to either. God heard the prayer of the young man. God didn't forget. We need to give God time and something to work with. You need to participate in your miracle. Those people who received the fish and loaves, they had to participate. They took it. They broke it and passed it along. And that day, perhaps 15,000 people were fed on the hillside belonging to Bethsaida by a miracle of Jesus praying and breaking fish and loaves, giving it to his disciples, and his disciples giving it to the people on the first row of 50, and the next row, and the next row, 15,000 perhaps, because they participated in their miracle. We must participate in our miracle. If you want or you need to go higher, you need to start climbing, you know, if there's somewhere you want to go in life, you need to start walking. You need to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. You'll never do it on any day that's not called today. And you'll never do it sooner than now. Make a decision. Make a commitment that you're going to participate in your miracle. What is it that you're needing? What is it that you're wanting? What is your dream? Where are you going? What, 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 what is it? Success is more than just words on a piece of paper. More than just a plan. If You know... Oh, I'm going to build you a house. I got a plan. I'm going to win the lottery. Yeah, that's not really. Come on. Get yourself a realistic plan. Get a viable plan. Get a plan that God will work. And work the plan. Do something. Do something. I want to encourage you to be like Zacharias and get with the program. God has not changed his plan for you. Don't change your mind on God. There's, again... Someone listening, someone here, I really believe with all of my heart that you are more ready than you give yourself credit for. More ready. More ready to take a step, to make a commitment. Make a commitment to Jesus Christ today. If you are here and you're not born again, make a, a commitment. Invite Jesus in. If you are saved and you just, you know, it's grown old, grown cold, you've gotten out of the habit, you know, get back in. Come on inside. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. In fact, Jesus tore the veil. <laughs> he said, come on in. 
Whosoever will, he who has an ear, lest at any time, come on in. Today you can come in. There's an invitation today for you to say yes to the next step with Jesus. Yes to salvation. Yes to water baptism. Yes to simply inviting the Holy Spirit into your life to illuminate, to bring the light of life, to convince, to convict, to guide, to counsel, to lead. He will. And every time you go to the Word, the light of the Word will shine. But it's still your responsibility to say yes. You can approach the altar of incense and your prayers to God will be heard. The, the effectual fervent, the sincere prayers of people right with God avail much, James said. This morning... I'm going to ask you here just to give me a moment. Bow your head, close your eyes if you would. Those of you listening, okay, uh, join with us right now. Open your heart. Let's invite Jesus into this moment. Lord Jesus, come into our heart, Lord. You have invited us. Now we invite you. Come in, Lord. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, save souls this morning. People that simply just ask, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Teach me what to do. Follow me through life. Lead me. Guide me. Teach me. Open your word. Shine a light so that I will know what to do. Be a lamp to my feet. Oh, Jesus, be my Lord, my Savior. So many, Jesus, today need to simply get back involved, get back engaged. There are multitudes outside praying. Lord, I pray that they would come in. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you receive the seeds that we plant in faith. As we take action, as we take a step, Lord, God, bring a harvest. Like with Zechariah, Lord, you did not forget his prayer. Remember our prayers. We ask in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.